you know what the real big lie is? That America is a systemically racist country. You know, everybody bought into it. A lot of people were virtue signaling. A lot of powerful people wanted to retain their power, so they pretended they believed it. Yet we're living with the consequences, especially police to this day. They are being harassed. They are being canceled. Police, the good guys. And this is a lie, too, that somehow, even if you believe that systemic racism was a thing, that looting would solve that, would somehow change the situation, it was all nonsense. And just like that episode, another episode now pervades all of American culture, this obsession with January 6th. And the worst person in all of it, I believe the prime culprit just might be Liz Cheney. Boy, oh boy, she is milking this moment. Her personal hatred of Donald Trump, she hates him more than she likes America. Does she like America? I don't know. It's incredible. After she wasted all of our time last week and the week before and for months now with the January 6th hearings, she was on all the Sunday shows and even Fox, even Fox, they wouldn't challenge her. They just listened. And when they tried to extract one nugget of truth about Joe Biden and what he might be up to with China, listen to what she did. Do you share the concerns of some of your colleagues and others in the Republican Party about the Biden family's dealings in China, the flow of money from the Beijing government linked officials to the Bidens? Yeah, I certainly uh, think that it's it is uh, it could be of concern. Um, I think that, you know, it's not something that I have um, looked at the details of. I've certainly seen the news reports of it. Could be of concern. Maybe I'm busy. I'm doing other things. I read the newspaper like you. Joe Biden might be owned by China. Eh, I can't really get around to it because I have so much January 6th stuff to focus on. Same answer. She continues. Watch what she does with a question about China funneling money potentially to the Bidens. If there is something substantive um, on on either side that that Congress needs to be looking at, we should certainly do that. Uh, and and I think that that has to be guided by substance uh, and not not by political attack. I mean, I was really disgusted, mm -hmm. frankly, on Thursday night when even before Sarah Matthews began testifying, the House Republicans put out a tweet attacking her that they then had to take down. She's a staffer. She works for the House Republicans, for a House Republican. Mm -hmm. That kind of just launching of vitriolic partisan attacks is really dangerous for the country, given where we are today. Uh, we're allowed to. We're allowed to engage in partisan attacks or anything. You're allowed to speak. You think Sarah Matthews, whoever the hell that is, her feelings getting hurt. Somehow that's more dangerous to the country than President Biden being owned potentially by President Xi. That's where that's where Liz Cheney is. And it's really, really suspicious. And she's issuing ominous warnings. Who the hell is she? Excuse me. The normal uh, sort of vitriolic, toxic partisanship has got to stop. And we, not, we have to recognize what's at stake. And uh, individuals like those who uh, are running the Republican conference, who are the leadership of the Republicans in the House, need to be held accountable for their actions. Um, and they need to understand how serious the situation is. Accountable for their actions. How serious the situation is. What do you have in mind? These guys are exercising their freedom of speech. They can say whatever they want. You want to send them to Gitmo? 
That's a move your old man might pull. Hey, we make fun of Cassidy Hutchinson because she shows up and she knows absolutely nothing except what various guys told her for whatever reason they were telling her stuff. Yeah, she opened herself up, just as Sarah Matthews did. They're hiding behind these witnesses. They find somebody they think is sympathetic. Ooh, a 50- or 60-year-old man could never challenge this beautiful, innocent girl or these great Capitol Hill cops. I'm sorry, but this is America, and we are allowed to engage in language. This is politics. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's not very nice, but it is freedom of speech. Something else. I got to tell you this again. I mentioned it on Friday, but they pulled such a cynical little stunt and they're still doing it with cops. So this is Officer Robinson. Take a look at him. Uh, seems like a nice guy. He did what he was told. He came and <laughs> gave them an answer about what he heard some guy tell him. He was in a presidential motorcade in the very front car. Listen to this. The second witness is retired Sergeant Mark Robinson of the D.C. Police Department, who was assigned to the president's motorcade that day. He sat in the lead vehicle with a Secret Service agent responsible for the motorcade, also called the T.S. agent. Here's how Sergeant Robinson remembered the exchange. You heard what she said. The lead vehicle in the motorcade. There are about 80 vehicles in these motorcades. Take a look at a motorcade. There are so many vehicles. There are hundreds of law enforcement officers, Secret Service, state troopers, you name it, who work these presidential motorcades. The Secret Service, by the way, they said they would cooperate. They said they would make their agents available. No, they wanted this one retired sergeant who was in the very front car, all the way at the front, to find out what he heard. Was there any description of what of what was occurring in the car? No, only that on the only description I received was that the president was upset and that he was adamant about going to the Capitol. And there was a, a heated discussion about that. Why this guy? Why do they choose this sergeant? Hmm? He's so many cars away. He's talking to somebody. This is hearsay. He heard somebody say something. He's retired. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he heard something. The Secret Service said they would make their agents available. Why didn't they go to them? They put this guy on the big screen in the United States Senate in prime time. Now, you know why they're picking these folks, by the way. They have a little bit identity politics, a little bit. If we pick the right person, it'll be harder for the bad guys to criticize them. The bad guys. That's what they call that's what they call us. Somehow, I don't know, people are going to be reluctant to take on a guy like uh, Sergeant Robinson, point out that his story is irrelevant. How about Matthew Pottinger? <laughs> take a look at him. His big claim to fame, why he is an important witness. He served in the military. And somehow, if you support the troops, you can't say that Mr. Pottinger should have kept his mouth shut. This isn't the first time that we've had a close election uh, in, in this country. For example, you've got Vice President uh, Richard Nixon back in 1960 had lost a hard-fought election against Senator John F. Kennedy. Um, uh, there, there were irregularities in that vote. Vice President Al Gore, who faced a very similar dilemma, um, he strongly disagreed with the Supreme Court decision that uh, lost his election bid and uh, allowed President George W. Bush to take office. 
who cares what this guy thinks? This is totally outside his field of expertise. He does not know what he's talking about, yet he took up all of our time in prime time. And oh, by the way, Donald Trump never actually got his day in court. We'll have more on that in a little bit. Uh, all right. So the president was there on January 6th and everybody was calling him up. Or really, was it everybody who was actually picking up the phone to talk to the president? Listen closely. Don Jr. and Sean Hannity were not the only ones who implored Mr. Meadows to get the president to speak to the nation and tell the mob to leave, to go home, go home. Throughout the attack, Mr. Meadows received texts from Republican members of Congress, from current and former Trump administration officials, from media personalities, and from friends. Wow, friends, media personalities. Getting a hold of Mark Meadows. You know, there are other ways to contact the White House, but that list is not impressive. Who was not calling the president? Who was not engaging the White House? The people who, if there was really a problem, they wanted help, should have been calling. Nancy Pelosi. How about Mitch McConnell? Don't trust that guy. <laughs> Senator Schumer has known President Trump since the 1970s. How about Chris Miller? Did he try to engage the president? He was the acting secretary of defense that way, that day. The Capitol Police so much about them. Did they turn to the White House? No. Mayor Bowser did not engage the White House. Uh, General Walker, who was in charge of military troops in Washington, D.C. that day, he did not take the initiative. And definitely not General Milley. Mark Milley seems to have his own agenda. Did he reach out? And the hero in all this. I keep hearing what a hero he is. I don't buy it. Vice President Pence. There he is, safe and sound. Did he engage the president? Um, no, he didn't. And what was the president doing? We heard so much. First, he wanted to go to the Capitol. The Secret Service said no. So he went to the White House. And his big crime is watching TV. Witnesses told us that on January 6th, President Trump sat in his usual spot at the head of the table facing a television hanging on the wall. We know from the employee that TV was tuned to Fox News all afternoon. Here you can see Fox News on the TV showing coverage of the joint session that was airing that day at 125. And you can watch Fox News from that day. The footage is still available. They presented some of the clips. And what was the president possibly seeing if he was, in fact, watching Fox News, which we don't know for sure. But what you see here are a bunch of people outside the Capitol. The violence that uh, we saw, actually, we didn't see until days later. Fox News did not have any of that. They had Griff Jenkins, of all people, offering his commentary. So I think that's a big piece of the puzzle, don't you? If the president's watching that and he's not seeing what they say is actually happening, what's he supposed to do? So Brett Baer, who's the big Fox News guy, right? Um, he has Liz Cheney on the show yesterday. Just yesterday, I'd like to know why Liz Cheney did not tell America what President Trump actually said on January 6th. Know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. It's a pretty straightforward question. Uh, Madam Chairwoman, Madam Congresswoman, whatever you whatever the I mean, you had all these hearings. He said peacefully and patriotically, yet you didn't play that. Do you think historians will somehow not look at the original speech? They'll just look at your clips, the ones you cut up? 
You think you have the final word on this? Why didn't you show the American people everything that he said? It was all good enough for Brett Baer. That place is looking more and more fake by the day. Laying out all of these 187 minutes makes him look horrific. It really does. And it's it's for everybody to see. And the president's inaction and the vice president's action getting on the phone is very telling. Telling how? What? What does it tell you, Brett? What does it actually say? How about everything we just pointed out? Why weren't the people calling him? What was he actually seeing on your network on January 6th? Brett and everybody else over there has their marching orders, it would seem, by, from a guy named Rupert Murdoch. And yes, they are fake now. Rupert Murdoch is a billionaire, and he seems to have a complex love-hate relationship with Donald Trump. And it certainly seems to be in the, uh, on the hate side of the scale right now. All right, one more thing. President Trump uh, received a lot of criticism from the mainstream media and even Fox for rehearsing his comments on January 7th. And they thought they saw a smoking gun in all of this. They didn't. Actually, I thought it was pretty cool. And watch. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. You do not represent our movement. You do not represent our country. And if you broke the law, you can't say that. I'm not gonna, you, I already said you will pay. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defied the seat of dust. It's defiled, right? See, I can't see it very well. Okay, I'll, I'll do this. I'm going to do this. Let's go. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say... Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? But Congress is certified. Now Congress is Yeah, right. Now Congress is I didn't say over, so let, let me see. Go, go to the paragraph before. He wouldn't say it was over. And that makes a lot of sense to me because there are issues related to the 2020 election that have not been resolved. And this year, there have been very important breakthroughs in Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Supreme Court outlaws ballot drop boxes because of all the problems associated with them. What else? In Pennsylvania, an appellate court ruled that the Pennsylvania voting law was unconstitutional. They ruled in January. They didn't change the state's constitution there are still issues that need to be adjudicated. They rushed this. They didn't give Donald Trump his day in court. And as for rehearsing your comments, oh, how they made fun of Donald Trump. They made, you have to do that. You should if you're a good president. Joe Biden, he doesn't do that. A comprehensive package of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their, their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. <laughs> We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah. Kleptocracy. And klep the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny. Hey, stay with us. Coming up, the fake news still complaining that Donald Trump was so mean to Hillary about her very obvious health issues. Be right back. It's one of the most important races of 2022. 
And the national media, they want to ignore it. They want the Democrat to win, even though she has no business winning. It's Kathy Hochul, the new governor who became governor after Andrew Cuomo had to step down, against war hero Congressman Lee Zeldin. So a couple things that are happening here in New York and across the country, by the way. Horrific crime. We haven't seen this kind of stuff. I mean, you always have crime. But these gunfights in the middle of the street in the daytime and just totally bizarre stuff happening every single day over the weekend. A church minister was held up right in the middle of church. What you about to go through? Yo, yo. All right, right, right. All right, right. Yo, all right, all right. Nobody moves. Nobody moves. Nobody moves. So the uh, the minister had a lot of bling on. These guys come in and take it. Notice the guy on the left. He's taking it all in stride. The one with the book open. Uh, again, this is happening everywhere. And these police officers struggling with the suspect and a woman gets involved and she's fighting the cops. Just awful stuff. I mean, the police, they've lost so much authority or it's been taken from them, it seems. These cops, they deserve our support. They deserve the public support. And so many of so much of the public has abandoned them. It's crazy. Uh, we have a mayor in charge of the city who's a uh, well, he's a goofball, uh, not a serious man, not much of an intellect and not much of a record accomplishing anything. And we have a goofball governor. I'm sorry, but I think that's a pretty apt way to describe her. Um, one term congresswoman from upstate New York and presto changeo. She's governor. It makes absolutely no sense. Lee Zeldin, on the other hand, guy's been to Iraq. He's actually a lawyer, which counts for something in uh, New York state. And he was a big time defender of Trump. Now, in New York, that can get you in trouble with the woke left. It certainly can get you in trouble with uh, Kathy Hochul. She sent out a note, a message on Twitter, essentially inviting people to come and disrupt his, his rallies. Big lie Lee, she calls him, will make stops across the state peddling dangerous lies, misinformation and his far right agenda. Now, one second here on that. You know, anything we say that we believe in, they call dangerous. They call misinformation, far right agenda. Nothing, no truth to that whatsoever. And she encourages people to show up. Take a look at this. RSVP to hear about Zeldin's election integrity task force. He promised open door access. Well, thanks a lot, Kathy. You got some nut job followers and they showed up at Lee Zeldin's rally. And one guy, it looks like, tried to kill him. There's only one option. You're done. You're done. You're done. What happened there? That guy tried to kill a sitting member of Congress with a knife-like object, this little ninja tool he had. Um, he was released just a few hours later. Fortunately, he was rearrested by the feds. And don't forget that Kathy Hochul sent her supporters to this thing. RSVP to hear about Zeldin's Election Integrity Task Force. He promised open door access. All right, we're going to make a fuss about January 6th, but not mention this. Oh, no, it didn't happen. You know, AOC, I notice, it's a national story when she gets her feelings hurt. 
Every time it gets, she gets her feelings hurt, uh, she makes a spectacle out of it, and the fake news plays right along. They play her, uh, her various clips, her social media, this, that, and the other thing. Some guy looked at her funny. Some guy called her Latina, not Latinx. I don't know what the heck. You know, it's always something. But we have real serious stuff going on in New York, and we have for a long time. Back when Kathy was the lieutenant governor, New York City and New York State just fell apart. Uh, they didn't send in the National Guard. They, sh they gave up. They gave up. She was lieutenant governor of New York State when all of this happened, and she just gave up. I think it's looking very good for Lee Zeldin, again, a war hero, served in Iraq. And oh, by the way, maybe it's time for a change. I mean, the last three governors, all Democrats in New York, all had to leave varying levels of disgrace. Yeah, I think it's time for a change, don't you? All right, we'll see what happens. In the meantime, this is the worst fake news reporter ever. He is the worst, and we'll prove it when we get back. It's astonishing. We caught him lying to his bosses, to his peers, and to his readers. Be right back. All, All I, can I can say... Is that the fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, it do they? They don't, and they are so dishonest. Every now and then I see a, an incredible reminder about how bad they are. So there's this new book that everybody in the swamp is talking about. Let's see. It's called uh, Thank You for Your Servitude, uh, Donald Trump's Washington and the Price of Submission. Okay. It's written by Mark Leibovich, who has got to be the nastiest, meanest, jerkiest guy who makes all kinds of mistakes. Oh, man, did we catch this fellow. All right, so Jen, when was it? November 2016. Donald Trump wins the election. All right, there he is at the Hilton, the big celebration. This guy has some observations about that night, about that speech. Let's read them together, okay? He says as follows. As the newly unveiled president-elect walked gingerly onto the stage at his New York headquarters, his face bore a newfound weight. Goes on to say... Uh, Trump stared out at the crowd as if he were in a trance and absorbed his altered reality like initial drips of anesthesia. His existence had changed irreparably. Wow, drips of anesthesia. I don't remember anything like that. Let's take a look at how freaked out Donald Trump was when he walked into the room first. It is my high honor and distinct privilege to introduce to you the president-elect of the United States of America, Donald Trump. Uh, so far, so good. It looks like Donald Trump walking into a room Let's see what happens next. Does he look like he's under anesthesia? Thanking people? Quite frankly, he looks kind of uh, normal. <laughs> totally normal. And then he starts with the speech. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Sorry to keep you waiting. Complicated business. Complicated. 
Oh, wow. You can tell that anesthesia is really taking hold. What did he just write? And what did we just see? It's incredible. Don't they know historians are going to have access to the raw footage and not have to read books by Mark Leibovich? I remember uh, Reince Priebus, the campaign manager, RNC chair. He was there and he was acknowledged by Trump. I thought this was great. I, I remember when it happened. Take a look. Reince is really a star and he is the hardest working guy. And in a certain way, I did this. Reince, come up here. Where is Reince? Get over here, Reince. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's about time you did this, right? Huh? My God. Well, say a few words. No, oh, come on. Say something. Ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. Thank you. It's been an honor. God bless. Thank God. Amazing guy. I thought it was an amazing moment. I remembered when it happened. Now, look at how this sleaze uh, from the fake news wrote about it. Trump ordered Priebus up to the microphone. Ryan shook his head, but Trump insisted, and Priebus did as he was told. Next, uh, this was classic Trump, a bizarre, spontaneous gesture that carried the added benefit of debasing someone? What is he talking about? Uh, after Priebus arrived at the lectern, Trump added a final humiliating touch and made him speak. Say a few words, Reince. Priebus's eyes bulged as Trump shoved him to the microphone. All right, let's stop it right there. This is insanity. Was he smoking weed when he wrote this book? Probably. I want to see those eyes bulge. Hey, no eyes bulged. This was a beautiful moment. You see how nasty they are, how how jealous the fake news are of people who succeed next in this book. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States previous managed to say, and thank you. It's been an honor, he added. His words were mildly slurred, understandable given what Reince had been through. I did not hear that, did you? Priebus coughed out a few garbled God blesses and thank gods before fleeing the mic as if it were in flames. Um, none of that's true, everybody. None of that's true. And we all saw it. And this book, number two on the bestseller list, it's fiction. It's fiction. Remember when Hillary Clinton had that coughing fit? Uh, well, she had a lot of them. But do you remember this one? It was in early 2016. Makes. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Too much to say. <coughs> All right. And it goes on like this for a long time. Uh, it being a competitive race, Donald Trump made this an issue. And you're not supposed to do that, according to the fake news. Trump had managed in that gross and sexist way of his to make his opponent's health, fitness and stamina an issue. Well, you are running for president of the United States. This guy put the coughing fit in the book, but did not put this, which is far more serious, when Hillary Clinton collapsed on the way into that van. Do you remember this? It happened on uh, September 11th. Go ahead and take it. Uh, 
that was a big deal. That was the memorial ceremony on September 11, 2016. But according to uh, Leibovich, he just wrote after the coughing fit, she was much better now and had resumed a full schedule. Yeah, right up until she collapsed on the way into that vehicle. By the way, I think this is what clinched it for Donald Trump. Nobody does this but him, and it worked. Here's a woman. She's supposed to fight all of these different things, and she can't make it 15 feet to her car. Give me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break. (laughs) It was so effective. All right, he's a little rough around the edges. You had to try to sabotage his entire presidency and damn near ruin the country and impeach the guy for phony stuff. And another thing from this book, he hates anybody with hair. Mitt Romney, well-barbered hair. High-haired Republican from Florida, Matt Gates. Uh, ooh, uh, McCarthy, majestically feathered hair back in the day. Oh, we have heard this before. Dyed orange hair, Trump. Try something original. Gary's hard hair had gone cottony white. He looked like a cloud. Um, and then he just kind of, every time somebody had hair, he said something about it. One of those pillowy-haired, Trump-loving congressmen harassed by hairsprayed hecklers, the lush-haired, sturdy-jawed anchors. Well, remember, Leibovich is bald. And I noticed (laughs) the word bald does not appear anywhere in his book. And there are plenty of bald characters in politics. Fake news degenerate. Bad guy. Bad book. All right. Stay with us. Rudy Giuliani will be here. America's mayor, a true hero, and in some ways, a true journalist. Be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. He's back, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, and a a hero in my book and in the books of history. I am convinced, sir, you've been through a lot, but you will be restored fully. Are you confident of that? Absolutely. Always confident in the truth. I mean, that's that's the reason I did this. I, I, I knew I knew when I started representing uh, President Trump that it was going to be difficult. I knew the minute that I found the evidence on Biden of the bribe to Poroshenko to fix the case for Zloshevsky. I knew I'd be tortured because they have a first of all, they've been covering up his criminality for 30 years. They know it. The Washington Press knows he's a crook. They've known he, they, known he was a cheap little crook from Delaware with his two brothers. Uh, they knew about the MBNA, MBNA bank. I mean, they, they knew all of it. Well, all that stuff is out there. But right now, <laughs> crazily, you and Donald Trump are the ones, hmm, will, will, will charges be filed? Um, first of all, are you, are, you, are you fearful of that? No. Why should I be fearful of it? If they do, I'll fight it. I mean, I fought everything they've done so far. So far, every single thing they've accused me of, I've been right. First, I, first, I was accused of uh, falsely charging uh, Joe Biden with Ukraine. Turns out it's 100 percent, 100 percent true. Then I was accused of knowing about Russian collusion. I said there was no Russian collusion. They say there was. They were lying. I was telling the truth. Then I was accused of being a Russian agent by the top intelligence people in the Democratic Party, a bunch of whores. And uh, it turns out they're a bunch of liars. And I'm not a Russian agent. Uh, every single thing I've been accused of, 
I've been telling the truth and they've been lying. Here's what gets me about J January 6th committee. Every one of them is a proven liar. They, 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 you, you could set up you could set up all kinds of montages of each one of them saying Russian collusion, Russian collusion, sure. Russian collusion, Russian collusion. Who's telling the truth? Donald Trump. No Russian collusion. Uh, uh, quid pro quo with Poroshenko. Quid pro quo with Poroshenko. No quid pro quo. Who's telling the truth? Donald Trump. Who's lying? They're lying. Uh, Russian agent, Russian agent, Russian agent, Russian agent. Whole year of that. Mm. Trump and I say no Russian agent. Who's telling the truth? We are. Yeah. Who's lying? They are. Here's an item. I saw it yesterday. Lynn, uh, Liz Cheney was on Fox News Sunday. They asked her about money going to Biden from China. The possibility, right? It's out there. We, this yeah, is disgraceful. So take a look at what happened. This is part I one. I saw this. It's disgraceful. Do you share the concerns of some of your colleagues and others in the Republican Party about the Biden family's dealings in China, the flow of money from the Beijing government linked officials to the Bidens? Yeah, I certainly uh, think that it's it is uh, it could be of concern. Um, I think that, that, you know, it's not something that I have um, looked at the details of. I've certainly seen the news reports of it. All right. She can't be bothered. She reads the newspaper like everybody else. Next, she says, it's a question about China and their influence with the Bidens. Look what happens next. If there is something substantive um, on, on either side that, that Congress needs to be looking at, we should certainly do that. Uh, and, and I think that that has to be guided by substance uh, and not, not by political attack. I mean, I was really disgusted, mm -hmm. frankly, on Thursday night when even before Sarah Matthews began testifying, the House Republicans put out a tweet attacking her that they then had to take down. She's a staffer. She works for the House Republicans, for a House Republican. Mm -hmm. That kind of just launching of vitriolic partisan attacks is really dangerous for the country, given where we are today. <laughs> it's dangerous to uh, to criticize some aid no one's ever heard of, but I guess it's okay for Joe Biden to take money from China. Yeah, I wonder how our, fa our father feels about Biden giving the Bagram Air Base up, 400 miles from China, probably our most tactical position uh, in order to defend ourselves against China, given away along with $85 million worth of, uh, of armaments. I mean, that wasn't an exchange for the $31 million that Joe got. Uh, how, how about his refusal to do anything about tariffs, his refusal to do anything about uh, their expansion of their Navy? Uh, that isn't purchased by uh, the $31 million that he got. It's extraordinary that a president's family got $31 million from our, from our biggest enemy. Suppose uh, Kennedy or uh, Reagan or Carter got $31 million for the Soviets, from the Soviets during the, during, during the Cold War. What would have happened? They'd have been impeached. They'd have been put in jail. They'd have been traitors. $31 million from China, and she can't react? She just lost her, her standing, in my eyes, even as, as any kind of patriot. So what can we do about um, President Trump? Look, I love him. I like his style. I like his uh, policies, of course. You do, too, I'm sure. But you remember Rocky II? At the, <laughs> yeah. at the last minute, he went from, he went from southpaw to right-handed. I feel like he's got to come up with something at the last minute, fake everybody out and suddenly speak to a good chunk of the country that that doesn't like him or even hates him. Is there a way that he could reach out? Should well, he even think yeah, about it? Yeah, there's, um, he, he can. Uh, he's an extraordinary in the right sense of the word uh, political leader. He's an extraordinary leader and he'll have a sense of what's necessary. I mean, the last time the last time, you know, I believe it was stolen. 
And I am more than willing to invite anyone to my house to show you the evidence of it and, and also to read the opinion of the Supreme Court of, of Wisconsin that just found that Wisconsin was stolen. Actually, Nobody wants to report it. Do me a favor because they keep throwing you under the bus when they say in Pennsylvania, Rudy Giuliani said this is not a fraud case to the judge, which you did say. However, my understanding is you were not arguing fraud at the time. You were, <laughs> ar you were arguing the constitutionality, no, no. The, 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 uh, the actual the, legal legality of the votes themselves. The complaint that had been filed by the prior lawyer, which I had no part of, didn't have fraud in it. I was telling the judge there's, there's not a fraud complaint. The one I'm defending is not a fraud complaint. I want to substitute a fraud complaint for it. It was a legal answer. You have to plead fraud in a certain way. How many reporters were in the room, in the courtroom? When One you... or two, and they, uh, they just made that up. I mean, right. they, they, that was not, I wasn't saying there was no fraud in the election. I'm saying there was no fraud alleged in this complaint. Sure. It should have been. Rudy Giuliani, hey, where can we find your podcast? RudyGiulianiCS.com, and this week uh, there'll be Mrs. Babbitt uh, Ashley Babbitt, uh, and there'll also be some pretty revealing things about... Um, how that's that's a, that's a legitimate uh, homicide investigation that's Ru been fixed. Rudy Giuliani, CS. CS, common sense. Dot, dot, dot. We love it. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We'll be right back. Uh... So this is Steve Bannon. Take a look at him. He is a brilliant guy, and he just got convicted. Bogus case, really. Um, contempt of Congress. He should wear that as a badge of honor. Did you know he served in the Navy? He was an officer in the Navy. This is him uh, in the 70s and 80s. He was um, on ships. He worked at the Pentagon for a time. Look at uh, this silly congresswoman using his military service against him. This is uh, Congresswoman uh, Luria, is that her name? And she put out this horrific tweet. If we could, this is what hate does to you. Now, Elaine Noria, Loria, is from the January 6th committee. What is she talking about? He went from 21 to 58, 59 years old. That's what age does to you, all right? Hate. What is she actually talking about? This is a good man, everybody. Um, how about this? I could do the same thing to her. She was in the Navy. There she is on the left, and here she is on the right. I mean, <laughs> I could say all kinds of things, but that's what, I guess, age does to people. And they complain about a lack of civility and her partner in crime there, uh, Liz Cheney, just saying that, oh, it's getting so toxic in Washington, D.C., and she puts this kind of nonsense out. Um, Officer Gunnell, do you remember him from the January 6th hearings? Um, well, I'm going to give it to him now. He doesn't look like a nice guy uh, at all, and I think he was fake crying, quite frankly. And for a member of the Capitol Hill Police to get up there and say this in front of members of Congress, he should have been fired on the spot. You got people right now in front of the Justice Department asking to release some of the very same people to be released, even though we are testifying about the trauma and the agony and everything that happened to us. It's pathetic. And they shouldn't be members of Congress anymore. That's what he said after that. Well, um, Gunnell has been kind of he's writing a book and he goes to all the January 6 hearings and they give him a seat in the front row. And quite frankly, I noticed that he's being a little overly affectionate and it's kind of I think it's uncomfortable. Take that full. He's sitting between two women and look at his thumbs going to town on their hands. It's one thing to hold hands or, you know, lock arms for support. But 
I just think that was a little, uh, a little odd. These guys have been so manipulated and used by Democrats. I actually feel sorry for them. All right. Meet the Press. We saw Al Gore. Haven't seen much of him lately, but he, he was on Meet the Press yesterday talking about the environment. You know, he was, um, he's a big believer in global warming. Um, he's also a guy who almost became president in 2000. Do you remember this? Let there be no doubt. While I strongly disagree with the court's decision, I accept it. And tonight, for the sake of our unity as a people and the strength of our democracy, I offer my concession. All right. Now, folks have been pointing to that like, oh, you see, this is this was the right thing to do. This is what Donald Trump should have done. Al Gore made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Donald Trump never actually got his day in court. It was always dismissed. They always came up with it. There's no standing here. He never actually got his day in court. You know, a lot of those judges, they watch the fake news and they get horrified by it. They believe it. He never got his real day in court. It was easy for Al Gore. There was no place else for him to go. Six, three, five, four decision, whatever it was. Now what? No other choice. Donald Trump. Case should have been heard by the Supreme Court, especially the Pennsylvania one. We'll be right back. So tomorrow at 3 o'clock, Donald Trump will be back in Washington, D.C. for the first time since he left as president uh, last year. 3 o'clock tomorrow at the America First Policy Institute Summit. Should be great. We'll carry the remarks live right here. I'll see you tomorrow.